Thank you for listening to NSL Double Talk. Never stop learning. At Never Stop Learning, we connect you with engaging experts who join you and your friends or colleagues in conversation at a location of your choosing. With NSL Double Talk, we are bringing the Never Stop Learning model directly to you. Each podcast will feature two experts in conversation on topics that range from global affairs to wellness to arts to innovation. Sometimes the experts agree, sometimes they don't, but we will never stop learning and never stop laughing. Okay, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll start. Okay. <laughs> NSL Double Talk, featuring Dylan Lauren and Lauren Bush Lauren. Their topic today is the entrepreneurial spirit and philanthropy. Dylan, known to many as the Candy Queen, is the founder and CEO of Dylan's Candy Bar. In 2001, her childhood dream of opening the world's largest candy store that merges fashion, art, and pop culture with candy was realized. Since then, Dylan has opened over 30 locations and plans to expand her candy empire worldwide. Dylan has been credited with changing the face of the candy industry and the way people view candy. Dylan is also the author of Dylan's Candy Bar, Unwrap Your Sweet Life. Lauren is the founder and CEO of Feed, a social business whose mission is to create good products that help feed the world. In 2004, Lauren became the honorary student spokesperson for the UN World Food Program. In that role, she traveled to various countries and learned about the issues of hunger and poverty firsthand. Coming back to America, Lauren was inspired to create a consumer product that would engage people in the seemingly overwhelming fight to end world hunger. In 2005, she conceptualized the idea for Feed by designing the initial Feed One bag, which, when purchased, feeds one child in school for one year. Since then, Feed has provided over 95 million meals globally through the WFP. For her work with Feed, Lauren has received multiple awards, including Fortune Magazine's Most Powerful Women Entrepreneurs in 2009 and one of Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30 in 2010. Lauren also routinely speaks at global conferences that focus on business, philanthropy, and the issues of hunger and poverty. We are so excited to welcome Dylan Lauren and Lauren Bush Lauren to NSL Double Talk. Lauren, it's so good to see you, and it's so funny. I remember uh, one of your first major feedback events was when you first started dating my brother, David, <laughs> and you had this amazing event for Christmas where you had many different vendors mm. come to sell different things for charity. And I thought it was a brilliant idea. And you had launched probably one of your first feed bags. Um, and I thought it was super cool. And I know David was very proud of you. And Aww. now, you know, so many years later, I, you're probably past your 10th anniversary and um, you're married to my brother, which is <laughs> awesome. So formerly you're Lauren Lauren, like we yeah. joked about when we all first <laughs> met. So I'm just so excited to be sitting and, you know, interviewing you and vice versa. <laughs> totally. Thanks to Lon. Yeah. It's so fun. Obviously, we're related and see each other a bunch of different family things, but funded talk shop. We always yeah. do our annual hike in Colorado that yes. I always really appreciate, which ends up being like a full <laughs> download on many things, life and work and otherwise. Yes. But, um, totally. I, you used to do these feed raisers is yes. what you're talking about. Yes. We don't do them anymore because they were a bit of work, but it was fun I mean, the premise of why I started Feed was the thought that folks wanted to shop with meaning. And that's mm -hmm. obviously what you're doing with Dylan's Candy Barn, which mm -hmm. I want to hear more about mm -hmm. the, the latest. Um, but just 
yeah, to kind of put their money behind products that are are doing good for the world. So we helped not only sell feed stuff, but really curate other brands and other makers that we felt were doing the same and then bring oh. folks together to give back to feed, to feed kids, but then to to shop essentially to have those like conscious buys. But that was definitely early days. Yeah. And what I felt then is like you were one of the pioneers of doing that where you took, you know, a, you know, an item like a fashion bag and then, you know, logoed it with your charity name mm-hmm. feed. And instead of walking around with like a Louis Vuitton, you are <laughs> proud to walk around with feed and people are proud to wear it and support it and see a number of how many people they are helping feed. And um, I feel like you were one of the first people who really kind of did all of that, like whether it was combining a collaboration with a major company or designing something and putting, you know, the the philanthropy spin on it and also kind of making it cool for for people to give gifts that are um, for charity. I mean, that like there's a good feeling when you do that versus, oh, I, you know, I spent a fortune on something (laughs) because they like that label. Um, I I think that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt I think right before I met you. So Mm -hmm. I met Dylan when I was still in college. And right around that time, I'd started traveling with the World Food Program. Mm -hmm. And through that experience, just saw the realities of poverty and hunger that unfortunately it's like one in nine people globally and literally kids just because of where they're born are born into a life of hunger and malnutrition. And really coming back from those experiences, just wanting to do something, anything to help those families and those communities I met and not knowing what to do. And at the same time, loving design in New York. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of how we met. I was um, starting to make some friendships in New York City, um, knowing I wanted after graduation to move to New York City and maybe go to Parsons or, you know, work for a design company. But at the same time, you know, using vacations and summer breaks to go to Africa, to go to Honduras and different places with the World Food Program. So personally felt very torn about which kind of direction my life would take and then had the aha moment for the first feed bag, which as you said, just you know, a simple product, but made it really clear the impact that you're having when you buy the bag. And it's sort of a badge of honor in essence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, Dylan, you were like one of my early inspirations Thank because- you. You know, truly at the time, I didn't know many female entrepreneurs. That wasn't something anyone said, here's what you can do or be. I just truly kind of an accidental entrepreneur had the idea for the bag and then kind of figured out piece by piece how to do it. But I've always looked to you as kind of one of those very early, you know, leaders and women who with this very clear, very strong vision went out and I'm sure against many odds Mm -hmm. have started this amazing company. Have you been in business for what? It's going to be, I guess, 18 18 years. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, now I feel like I know a ton of entrepreneurs, but they've been in it. No, I mean- yeah. God love all women entrepreneurs, but they've been in it less than 10 years. Yeah. For you to have been in almost 20 years, Dylan, yeah. it is incredible. Thank you. It's it's a long road, but um, it's been fun. And I think the idea of being able to merge passions, um, my passion is also design coming from the family I come from, but also you know I love art and pop culture. So fashion art merged with pop culture to, you know, merge it with candy, which mm-hmm. is my favorite thing <laughs> and create sort of a, a place of happiness and joy. And that looks like Willy Wonka where people can come and, you know, be inspired and awaken their inner child and creativity has is, is been fun for me. And I innately, you know, find candy from 
around the world. I eat candy, as you know. Totally. <laughs> everywhere we go, everywhere our families do together. Is rarely without candy. <laughs> I'll find Never it. without candy. I will find it. Yeah. <laughs> and sharing it. But it's not just you, you know, hoarding it. You're one, you are the most healthy person I know, too, uh, which I want to ask you about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just clearly like you're total life calling is to do this. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, one of the things I'm happy about is, you know, our stores, you know, we may sell um, candy, but we also, we feel like it's a happy place where, you know, people come and they escape, you know, the city they're in and they're transformed. And now that we've, you know, linked with philanthropy, um, as you have done Mm. with helping animals, which is a family member to many and also helps people mm-hmm. um, with Dylan's Candy Barn, you know, I feel even better um, having adoption events at my stores where people don't have to go to shelters, they feel safer, mm-hmm. you know, seeing them or, you know, having products where percentages go to animal shelter charities, whatever it is, I, I feel the fulfillment that you must feel mm-hmm. by merging all your passions, right? Totally. Like, I think we're both lucky in that way. Um, one thing I've always actually wanted to ask you is I feel like you have this childlike, you know, joy and inspiration in that, you know, Dylan's candy bar has literally been manifested out of that. Mm-hmm. You love color, like mm-hmm. constantly obsessed with certain colors, turquoise being your yes. favorite. Yes. As you said, that store environment that mm-hmm. just takes you out of your reality and is that dose of joy. Mm-hmm. But then how do you balance that with like the very real hustle of mm-hmm. being a founder and mm-hmm. CEO mm-hmm. and managing people and just the like the rigmarole yeah. of what that reality is? behind, you know, the Wizard of Oz cloak. (laughs) Great question. I mean, that's why we hike together. I know. You know, I always make sure as an entrepreneur, one of my favorite things is to have the time to work out and let off steam, maybe Mm -hmm. go boxing. I think that it is really hard to run a company and also, you know, as, as it becomes bigger and bigger, you know, we now have over 400 people. Um, I, I remember starting with the office in my first flagship store with like five people. Mm-hmm. And it, as it gets bigger, it gets more complicated and it takes you a little bit further away from the core of why you started, I think, sometimes. And then you're meeting other people with different ideas and you can get swayed. But for me, one of the things that I'm, I think helps me is that I, I just love candy. And so I know where to find it or I will go to a supermarket and literally I did this in college I did this one, and I'll comb the aisles of cereal aisles and candy aisles wherever I travel I'll find a candy store and just finding products not even just to eat them mm-hmm. but to see the packaging and the colors and the shapes and maybe they're handmade and sculpted in you know London or somewhere <laughs> it gives me such joy and it's like collecting art to me I mean even you know when I was in college I had shelves from studying abroad of packaging I thought was super cool from like all over the world and Mm -hmm. that's one thing it's just a joy for me and it becomes business in that I'm like oh other people would like this so Mm -hmm. maybe I should sell it you know or or I should you know display it or I'll find a pop artist who works with candy so there's something very fulfilling about it because I'm first like it for myself and I am the customer or I'll go to a fashion show or Mm -hmm. a store and I love the windows or the set designs and window shopping Mm -hmm. for Christmas is super inspiring seeing all the candy 
decor mm. and these major department stores and these trees lit up with candy ornaments. It's just super fun. As long as I take the time to stop and find inspiration mm. and notice things instead of having my head in my iPhone or BlackBerry, mm-hmm. instead of focusing on all the stress around me, um, really going back to the roots of why I started and what I love. Even now, I've told my team, I need time to really just look at all this, the tear sheets I've collected and all the products I've found and, you know, develop more. And like that to me is art. My mission is, is, you know, to bring out the inner child and creative spirit. And if I'm not feeling that way, it doesn't help my business. Mm -hmm. So I have to sort of tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I actually don't love social media. Although I like seeing inspiring pictures, I kind of want to focus on what I need to do um, to bring in great stuff that I love and that other people enjoy and totally. all these collaborations. What have you found has helped you stay grounded and grow the business? Oh no, I just think it does take so much discipline to foster and protect that childlike inspiration. So I think you've done such a cool job of that. And before I get to me, I feel like too, which is a tidbit and that I've taken from you is you're not always chained to your desk, which is part of Mm. what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I often feel a bit of a guilt if I'm not in the office, you know, at a certain time and leave at a certain time and at my desk. And yet I am more useful ultimately to feed if I'm out talking to new people and finding that inspiration, whether it be a new design or whether it be a partnership. So I've started to, in the last few years, kind of consciously give myself permission to not feel that guilt Uh about not always being in a desk. And then partly it is building that team that can be in the office, making sure, I mean, if things aren't being shipped or made on time, Uh et cetera, then we don't have a business and we can't give back. So all the engines have to be running, but that's not necessarily the best use of my time Uh and expertise. So I've really taken that from you. Thank you. No, I don't know if it's most people or women like feeling guilty, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to take care of my team and they're working for me to get my vision. And, but I think I've made it very clear to myself (laughs) that I am not productive in an office where every minute someone's asking me a question because I create a lot of the graphics and the product. I am trying to sort of have a studio where I can actually think like an artist. um, And I cannot do that in a a work environment. I've also tried to really block out time to not check Mm. my phone. I don't sit at a computer because then I'm constantly ping-ponging and and not really getting anything done. So I think it's challenging, but I've made it very much like an appointment to work out. And if I'm going to work out and maybe I can, which I do a lot, (laughs) email people while I'm working out and I can multitask. Great. But if I'm also walking down the street, I'm trying, you know, to not be on my phone all the time because the inspiration is from seeing other things. And I feel like working all the time comes in many forms. And if your teammates don't know that, I mean, you are the name of your brand. Mm -hmm. So if you know what works for Mm -hmm. you, and I I mean, I'm struggling with this myself, like don't care what anyone else Mm -hmm. thinks that you're not in the office, but you know, you're not just like at a hair salon. (laughs) You're like working on your, I've seen you on vacation. You're not (laughs) all over the place with the the laptop. I always feel guilty actually, because I, first of all, I use my BlackBerry. I don't type on a laptop, but she's always working. Well, right back at you. Yeah, but I think it's got to be a balance. So Totally. I think I'm still working on that, but feeling less of mm-hmm. that self-imposed guilt, which yeah. my team doesn't, no one else cares. Yeah. They know I care a lot and in it to win it 100%, but yeah. it's truly just on me yeah. to sort of say, okay, I may not be in the office, but I am, you know, running around town and having these meetings today. And that's yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think they, you know what you're doing. You know, I mean, if mm-hmm. you were off not 
you know, meeting someone, there would be no collaboration with the next partner. And totally. they, they, I mean, I don't know, we have to get over that. Like, it's one of my big lessons is like caring what other people think if it works for me. And it's, you know, and in the end, I, you know, it brings, you know, success in a way that I feel fulfilled and the end product's good. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably it's a girl thing. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. And, well, also, I, I know, you know, with kids, as you yeah. know, we're both juggling now two kids and work. I mean, have you found the time that you used to have free to be on the computer? <laughs> it's true. That has actually been the great one of the greater teachers of having to be present and put the computer away at home. I would, yeah, I would leave the work, come home, have uh-huh. dinner, get right back on. Uh-huh. And then wake up and get on. And now there's just physically not space to do that anymore. Well, you also, your lap is no longer for a laptop. It's for a, you know, one-year-old and another baby. But do you find that gives you some sort of sense of what's important or what other, because like to me, work is my other baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like you have to nurture it kind of helping people in a weird way or may help you feeding other people who work for you. <laughs> yeah. But, but also like your own, you know, your husband, my brother yeah. <laughs> and your children. I mean, like, how do you make them understand that's your other baby? I know. Thankfully, David, I think a, because he always had you as an example too. Yeah. has just always been super supportive. Thank God. Even mm-hmm. through like the lower moments where I was like, oh, you know, just which we've all experienced just questioning the future for feed and myself, he's been like the number one encourager uh-huh. of that to stay in it. And I'm so grateful for that. And yeah, I think it just, it does kind of go without saying I live my life in a way that feed is, you know, still very much a huge priority, even uh-huh. with kids. And if anything, it's actually brought the mission of feed mm-hmm. into a new light for me and made it even more personal. Like when I go on trips now and seeing kids that are hungry and knowing how much time and love and attention goes into feeding your own children uh-huh. and seeing them succeed and be healthy. And the fact that so many families and so many parents in general like want the best for their kids, but just because of lack of resources and because of just systematic issues around the world and in the U.S. that they can't provide that for their kids. It's just brought it home in a new way. But it is a balance and it has made me probably less good about answering every email right Uh away, uh which is fine and healthy. And it's kind of coming to accept that everyone doesn't need a response right away and delegating more. I think as a Uh founder, you sort of start by doing a bit of everything. Uh And for me, I have a touch of like perfectionism. Uh So it's like hard to sort of let go of some of those pieces. Yeah. But the minute you do and you see someone else doing it like a lot better than you could, it's like, oh. I will never again, yeah. you know, be involved in that piece. Or, I mean, I want oversight. I want to know what's happening, but I don't need to, like, personally be the engine behind it. Mm-hmm. How have you adjusted? Well, I think, you know, it's interesting. Like, uh, delegating mm-hmm. is is hard when you're a perfectionist or my color Pantones on my yeah. Dylan's Kenny Bar logo better be <laughs> the right. Yeah, I want to make sure they are, so I want to see everything. And I think finding people who have your back and have your eyes very, very important, mm-hmm. but... Also, just finding time to know when you're going to check your work emails or calls and look at those things and sign off on them and be 100% focused on that. Mm-hmm. You know, even my dog, my my dog Jersey, <laughs> and then my Twinkies. Your third child. <laughs> my third child. Yeah. She's pawing at me if yeah. I'm on my phone. And it's so rude of me. These yeah. animals know if I'm distracted. So that's not good. You know, with my kids, I know that... 
I don't want to be that parent that is mm-hmm. always working or, you know, I miss this moment. So I, I try to schedule. And as it's gotten more and more complicated, you know, getting first having a husband where I now don't have my nights free and my hours of work were like after I went out with my friends and, you know, whenever mm-hmm. I could do that. So that's cut off. Then I have my twins and then, you know, it's time with them. It's in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then it's like, oh God, when am I going to work out? And then when am I going to get back to emails or when I'm going to be actually creative? And that's my dog who, you know, I also <laughs> love. So, and that's my family who, you know, and friends, I think it gets very complicated. And I just think that schedule is mm. so important. And scheduling is a biggie. Yeah. And it, being present no matter mm-hmm. where you are. I have to say, I mean, I love my kids, but sometimes Monday mornings at my office alone with my computer, I'm like, oh. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm those What a relief. You know, it's cool. It's like, you know, my brother and I and my other brother, Andrew, we grew up with our cousins very close to them. And I think it's important as as you get older, you know, that they play together. Mm -hmm. But again, that's time on the weekends that you have with your family. You know, my family, my parents, (laughs) everyone gets together. So it's like, okay, gosh, I want to be 100% with everything. Thing, it's hard. It so. is hard. Some, someone said pick three. There's that mm. book, pick three. And I think that's a good one because then you can say, okay, today the focus is work, mm. family, and, uh, you know, whatever, exercise. Tomorrow it's friends, family, and health. I, I don't know. Yeah. So, that's a know. good one. Oh, I need to read that. Try. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Because I do feel like the moments of frustration, again, are more my own expectations of like, oh, I thought I could do these 10 things today. Mm-hmm. And shoot, I only got to mm-hmm. like three of them. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, Angry at yourself yeah. yeah, and you're behind the eight ball, but setting yourself up for success mm-hmm. as like a mom, but as, in, as a CEO and saying, okay, here's literally what I can actually do this week. Mm-hmm. It's just so much better. Yeah. To give yourself headspace yeah. is it's, so valuable. It's like, you know, you're talking about inspiration. Like I've developed products, not only starting Dylan's Candy Barn because my dog's a rescue, but we did a line of pet treats that mm-hmm. pets can eat and also animal themed candy. And so that inspired that. And then we've done a lot of collaborations, you know, with um, McLaren strollers, anything baby related yeah. when my kids were born. Have you found um, inspiration from your children with that? Totally. Totally. Dylan does have a Barbie PS, oh. which is like the coolest claim to fame. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was <laughs> She's fun. beautiful in person and as a Barbie. Um, so we just launched a feed home line, which was partly inspired by, yeah, now having a family, I cook a little more. Yes. I've always loved to cook, You're but good. that was, well, TBD, but I enjoy it. And with that, we launched like a baby bib and a little baby bowl. Mm. So things that, you know, we would use with my youngest. So totally. I mean, I think you kind of create for your customer, which is yourself. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so depending on the life phase and like what is top of mind. And we actually create a little mini lunchbox and backpack because this year James takes his lunch to school. So we pack it every day and it's just fun. I still get such a high seeing like a stranger on Mm -hmm. the subway with a feed bag. Yeah, I get excited too. Right? Yeah. Um, But then to see, yeah, my son day in, day out, like go to school proudly with Mm -hmm. his feed bag and sort of starting to put the pieces together as to what feed means and he knows the logo and- he gets all excited too. So I think it's really cool. I mean, I'm sure your kids, when they go into your candy store, yeah. it's like, you're like the coolest aunt well, to have ever. It's so funny. They, they're, they're like, I'm going to a party at mommy's candy yeah. bar. When I tell them nighttime stores, I kind of say, I, I want you to be creative and think about, you know, something like a 
pink sky and a, you know, a yellow, you know, lake mm. and think about colors and think about a candy that mm. you see. <laughs> like they wake up in the morning, <laughs> tell me these interesting ideas that are over the top. That's awesome. But it's, it's fun. Your successors. Yeah. So, I mean, watch, <laughs> yeah. they'll grow up like, I don't eat that. I mean, yeah. so well, hopefully, I mean, we have other products as you do, like lifestyle items that if they don't eat candy, they can enjoy toy. Who doesn't love on it, candy? But, but um, going back to collaborations, you know, as I was saying earlier, I know that like, you know, you, you have kind of evolved your business from just being, you know, sort of feed mm-hmm. uh, or world food hunger program to a lot of different, you know, collaborations. Mm-hmm. Have you found that it's helpful to the business? Is it helpful mm-hmm. to your own creativity? Mm-hmm. And, and what, do you, what, do you, what do you find is good? I know. It? I want to hear what you think too, because we've <laughs> both done our yes. share of collabs. Basically, when I was starting Feed, I just didn't have any resources. So Mm -hmm. my initial thought was like, how can I build this brand and sell products on the backs of other brands and retailers? Mm -hmm. So um, essentially, you know, we didn't have a marketing budget. We barely had our own website. So right out of the gate, went into like partnership mode. And I would say that for the first sort of seven to eight years of Feed, that was my main job was going out and forming a partnership. I'd say the lesson learned for us was we you know, partners can come and go. We've worked uh-huh. with some like Clarence, for example, uh-huh. for the last almost like eight, nine years. So some have, have hung in there with us and it's been this really beneficial, awesome partnership on both sides, but others were, you know, maybe a marketing moment for a season or for a year. Uh-huh. And then they're onto the next, let's say cause even, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which left us then, you know, kind of treading water to get to the next one. So my strategy is somewhat shifted in terms of collaborations and partnerships from, you know, the main focus for us is just selling direct to customers. Mm-hmm. So with, with our website, we opened our first little store in Brooklyn, yeah, which fun. is so fun. Yeah, it's a great um, store. And we do collaborations, but they're not sort of the bread and butter mm-hmm. of what we do. They're more, you know, whether it's marketing, obviously mm-hmm. revenue and impact, they have to check a bunch of boxes, but we're not as... Um, kind of live or die via our partnerships. Right. But I still love them. I think it's so fun to kind of meet with a company and say, okay, you know, what is your brand like? What's our brand? And what are your kind of values and Mm -hmm. how do they align? And could this be a good partnership? And then sort of how do we actually manifest that to your customer, to our customer? Mm -hmm. So, you know, a recent one, which was a little more niche, but really cool, a friend, Rochelle, who I think you know, Lingua Franca, Mm -hmm. they do this cool like hand embroidered, Mm -hmm. like cashmere sweaters with activist sayings. So we did a bag with her. It said, come together. And it, I mean, it sold out in two days. Wow. It was crazy because she has such an amazing following Yeah, um, that I think intersected with feed and our values so nicely. It just was awesome. Oh, that's so, so cool. So it, um, and then we've obviously worked with like The Gap and Pottery Barn and Target, yes. which is yes. a whole different thing, uh-huh. but also just in terms of exposure, awesome for feed Yeah, and for what we're trying to do. How about you? I love your like stroller and Uh, all those cool things you've done that are like the fact that you've taken from like a candy store, but you've Mm -hmm. built a candy empire. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's always, for me, our logo, Dylan's Candy Bar, always had the icons, the candy, the ice cream bar, cafe, Mm -hmm. present box for gifts and the martini glass for cocktails and parties because we are a lifestyle brand. And, you know, I've always loved sayings on Mm t-shirts that say, you know, like, um, you know, sweet like sugar, you know, whatever, (laughs) rain boots with like candy patterns. So, you know, it's a living a sweet life, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a beach tower, a, you know, whirly pop looking, you know, paddle ball set. So to me, I was finding those products for myself mm-hmm. that I thought were fun and funky and um, earrings, you know, that had cute, you know, candy, but they look 
upscale, but then to find companies that could actually make them for us versus, you know, just buying them for me and, and me being able to design what I wanted with them, whether it was like William Sonoma, you know, plates mm-hmm. or um, Land and Nod toys or, you know, Warner Brothers Wonder Woman. You know, we've done a lot of movie collaborations, which has been fun. Mean, mean Girls, we did a whole thing on like, uh, you know, on Wednesdays we were pink and we had pink so candy cool. and a Keltine bar and, you know, and like Javiana's and Hanky Panky, which are unexpected because you're mm-hmm. like your candy. But to me, it's about the fashion and the colors and the shapes of candy that I like to design with. Mm-hmm. So it's been beneficial on that end. I would say that it's good for exposure, but it also takes somewhat of time away from your focus, private label owned things. And, and I found a little bit of a sort of challenge with companies like Mattel or, you know, Warner Brothers or Paramount, like they're big companies. And in the end, you know, we're not as big as them. So mm-hmm. how do you protect your brand mm. and make sure that your aesthetic, you know, your guys are working together and that it comes out the way you want. And it's, you know, now in their stores too, or your store and their store. And how do you make sure it looks the same way? And so you lose a lot of that control but the creative part of designing, a, mm-hmm. you know, a stroller or a toy or a fashion item is super fun. And I think it's cool to be able to expand like you're doing beyond bags to lifestyle products. I think, you know, for me, some people don't eat candy, but they love the colors and the shapes and it makes them happy. And, you know, we've customers from five to a hundred, literally. Totally. You know, and I want to be able to have something for everybody so yeah. that they don't feel left out. So, Well, you certainly do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the stores are so, so fun. I, I have a question for you. I, I went to your fifth anniversary and it was amazing to see these children walking miles and miles in Africa to get water, some mm. food for their families. And, you know, some of them, you know, get attacked on the way, I think, mm-hmm. you know, some crazy stories. You know, and then I'm, I go, as I told you, supermarkets in America. I just go for inspiration Mm -hmm. and, you know, giant candy stores. And there's so much food everywhere. And it drives me a little bananas to think that there's nothing in some of these countries. Like, what do you think of that? And what happens to all the food that doesn't get bought in the stores? Right? Isn't it blow your mind? Mm -hmm. I know. I mean, the fact that, like you said, we have all this abundance Mm -hmm. and even waste, Mm -hmm. food waste is a massive issue. Um, And yet so many people around the world are going hungry and living on less than a dollar a day. And it's just sort of systematic poverty Mm -hmm. where people are born into just not having opportunity to get an education, to be involved in like the global economy. Mm -hmm. The main program we support is school meals. So it's getting kids fed in school. And what that does is it's not only guaranteeing them a meal a day, it's really encouraging them to go and get an education. And when they have that education, hopefully they'll get a better job. And with that better job, they'll be able to like improve, obviously, their circumstances. And for girls, actually, it's really cool. In countries where girls' education just isn't valued, mm-hmm. like girls are thought of as second-class citizens, they'll um, the World Food Program will send the girls home with extra food for her family mm, if great. she goes to school and has like a good attendance record. So it's kind of using the school meal mm-hmm. program almost as a bribery tool to get girls to go to school and then stay in school. Mm-hmm. And when you educate a girl, it's one of those kind of silver bullets in development work because she'll have less kids. Her kids will be better educated. Like there's all these amazing ripple effects because a girl is able to get even just through eighth or ninth grade, Mm -hmm. like a very basic education to read and write, know her rights. Yeah. And we also try to buy locally to feed locally. Mm-hmm. So there's we only support a program called um, Homegrown School Meals where mm-hmm. we're, we're literally donating cash to be then spent with farmer co-ops locally to then feed schools locally. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's like helping the local economy and helping these like farmers be self-sufficient and feed their own families. Mm-hmm. So there's so much work to be done. And yeah, I just, I grapple every day with like, 
this just great disparity that exists in the it's world. Ama- it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? It's called the birth lottery. So just because of where you're born, even in our own country, quite frankly, you could be born into this life without something as basic as food, or that's just not a guarantee. It's just, yeah, it's, it's kind amazing. of very sad and hard to fathom. But yet hunger is solvable and it's just an issue of access. And it's a matter of, I hope, individuals and governments sort of rallying together to say this isn't acceptable. Like there's mm-hmm. enough food in the world to feed everyone. Yeah. It's just about fixing the system and making sure it's kind of thought of as a, a real human right and people doing something about it. So Yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's funny. I thought of you. I went with Heifer Group through Dylan's Kenny Barn to Ecuador. So cool. Yeah, and but I felt like I experienced like a, you mm. know, your kind of trips mm-hmm. because, you know, I saw the farmers who got an animal mm-hmm. for, from the government to provide milk to then the farmer of the cocoa beans to make the <laughs> chocolate to the next woman helping with the pack and they sustain themselves mm-hmm. through them. We ended up, you know, selling a lot of the Ecuadorian candy and private labeling it. And we helped, well, Dylan's Candy Bar basically mm-hmm. helped all the animals that are working, you know, to, to take, carry, you know, as people are basically riding their horses and their donkeys to yeah. the next farm. <laughs> but it's fascinating to be on the ground and see yeah. it and then see a devastated um place like Ecuador had been hit by major hurricane it was like totally wiped mm. out um and then to know that you know it was just very interesting to me to do that kind of collaboration mm-hmm. I know you've done some really you know cool work using artisans and local groups I, I love that those beaded bags hint hint oh, okay. <laughs> well, Christmas do you know where local you know crafts people do things mm-hmm. hey what was your you know favorite bag or product you've made with the local artisan Ooh. I think still that Kenya bag, the one you're talking mm-hmm. about, we, st- for the last, I think six years have sold this one bag without mm-hmm. any updates. <laughs> Actually, I, we did do some different beating, but it takes like a day and a half for each for an artisan. Um, they're actually women and or graduates from a local deaf school and they literally hand beat each bag. And the coolest part, I visited them a few times is they know when this bag is sold that they're helping make, it will help mm-hmm. then feed a kid in school um, in Kenya or sort of surrounding Eastern African countries. So mm-hmm. they take such great pride in like the fact that they are doing their yeah. part to then help, you know, kids in their own country. Um, that, that, yeah, that bag, like I'll carry it, but I hang it up because I love the, the way the beads look like uh, non-pareils. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do a collaboration yeah, we should. for charity with um, animals and, totally. and, and feeding people. And um, But it looks like sprinkles and you had another <laughs> bag. No, but, I mean, but again, it's not it's, edible, but it does look like sprinkles. But it's but it's beautiful. And also you had um, a Guatemalan bag with the sort of serapi mm-hmm. stripe. It sort, of, it sort of reminds me of the, our Ecuadorian packaging. I, probably, I remember that. It probably inspired that. Totally. It's really cool to be able to take different cultures, art, and see different things in it and make it fashionable, you know, in mainstream countries. So with animals, obviously mm-hmm. I know about your beloved chocolate and vanilla bunnies. Oh, yes. My, those are real animals. Those were my first pet. I know. We, the mascot of my store yeah. is chocolate and vanilla, but they were actually the names of my real pet bunnies, which some people don't understand. <laughs> they were my, I named them chocolate and vanilla, and I fed them Oreo cookies when I was like seven. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. That, oh, my I goodness. Know. I had them, um, They, you know, my favorite animal is a rabbit, mm-hmm. although I love all animals. But yeah, I don't know why. It was random. I named them chocolate and vanilla. And, you know, these Oreo cookies, I was eating one, and then chocolate came up to me and was <laughs> sniffing at it, and took the cookie and ran away. And I probably shouldn't have been feeding them. I know. I was like, so how did that, I mean, now you've like rescued 
rescued, yeah. even in Bedford, where mm-hmm. we sometimes go on the weekend, you've rescued these like beautiful horses. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, ever since I've known you, you've had such like a big heart for animals. Yeah. But yeah, what is your future goal with Dylan's Candy Barn? I mean, if I... If I could do that on the side and have someone run it, um, I would love to start an adoptable, huge venue for animals. Mm. Like, that kind of would make it fun for people to come to, whether it's an outdoor Dylan's Candy Barn, literally. Mm-hmm. So you have all these rescue animals that need space, but yet there's activities for kids and families to lure them to come and see the animals. And, you know, a happy so venue. Cool. I, I just, you know, there's so many animals that need homes. And one of the, the benefits of having retail stores in, you know, Chicago or Hawaii or New York on a, on a city is that we can have the animals and the and the charity line up with like 40 dogs, cats, bunnies outside our stores and people who normally don't want to go into a shelter because mm-hmm. um, it's depressing, I think, you know, and they, they will come to the store and be like, okay, great, I'll see the animals available, which I would never normally get to see and interact mm-hmm. with and play and talk to the, you know, people from the charity there. And then, you know, I can go in and get some candy on the way and, you know, and raise some money for a great cause. And it's very fulfilling. We've we've had over 200 animals been adopted. Cool. Um, and they get it that literally, what, what's so interesting to me is we, one of our first events, we only had six pit bulls at our LA store. And I was like, this is going to be hard. There's such a bad stigma on pit bulls, but these are the, I wish people could see these dogs. And literally in an hour, we had them all adopted and wow. some by our staff, <laughs> some yeah. by people who, and there's, it's just, if they didn't get out of, yeah. of their shelters or their foster homes and people really get to see what joy they bring, they, they may have not made it. So it's like, I don't know, it's so fun and fulfilling to see these animals go home, you know, to a right? safe home. It's just, it's just a great feeling. I just, I love animals. I mean, my dog was from Dead Dog Beach in Puerto Rico where, you know, people, I guess they were shooting. Mm. I mean, I've heard crazy things. They shoot animals for sport. You know, they don't um, spay or neuter, so the animals overpopulate. And then just terrible stories. There's like a vicious cycle where some humans will abuse the animals for fun. (laughs) But yet then the animals get a little, you know, tricky with them. And then they're like, oh, these dogs are vicious. And they're not. They're your best friend. (laughs) Totally. So it's just horrible. And so we're trying to just educate people about that as well and to spay and neuter and provide programs that do that. Because you see animals all over. This, I mean, I've seen these cats running around and, you know, they don't belong or, I've seen, you know, it's just like mm. to be able to make sure that we're not overpopulating with them is, is part of the problem. So, so cool. Yeah. No, I've been to one of the adoption events at the Union Square Dylan's Candy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think within at least an hour, they were all gone. Yeah. Like they, amazing. It's like a, I mean, it sounds weird, but it's kind of like, like a, a block party. Sport. It's like amazing. <laughs> well, it's fun because it's, okay, we have 30 dogs today. How many are going to get? So, and then like literally as they get adopted, it's like one down. Like, yeah. It's like so, it's like, <laughs> and it's like two down. And then like, I'll be literally going up to customers who come in the store who don't know there's, let's say an adoption event or didn't think about getting an animal on there you're like that oh, was what was so incredible it was like passerbys yeah literally walking down the street and then leaving with the dog and I think for me personally like if I went to a shelter which I did as yeah. a kid oh, yeah. I leave you leave in tears mm-hmm. you want to rescue all of them and yeah. you can't and it just breaks your heart I know so you I feel love, that I, I love I know. dogs the best but it's interesting like being able to be on the ground you know in countries with humans who are suffering or animals are suffering. How do you tell your customer that story? Mm. I mean, I think similar to what you try to do with Dylan's Candy Barn is just keeping it solution oriented, like Mm -hmm. hunger, as I 
said, is like a very real, very daunting issue uh-huh. globally as well as here in the United States. But we really try very, very hard to keep the communication honest, but very solution oriented and uh-huh. positive and proactive because from, you know, by buying a feed bag or hosting a feed supper, you are part of the solution. So it's yes. not about overwhelming people with sort of the massiveness of the the issue and the abstractness of these statistics. Yes. I think it's still a great challenge and opportunity for feed. There's it, so much more we can do. It's also, I, I found very smart, like sort of that instant gratification you've provided at some of your events where you could see how many people mm. each purchase is helping. There's like a ticker tape thing. Yeah. Or, you know, on the bag, you know how many, you know, schools you've, you've helped. And, and that's like really nice because, you know, I, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that. And you can say a percentage of proceeds or this, but well, like, totally. what does that mean? So I think that's very smart and kind of part of the way I think audiences feel like not only the recipient of the gift of a, mm-hmm. of a feed item, it's the person buying it. It's like, but even just how you said 200 dogs have been adopted mm-hmm. via, you know, your initiative, yeah. like having those tangible metrics for people yeah. to know about and react to, I just yeah. think it's so important. There might be more, but it's the being able to know 200 went home that day and yeah. left and left whereas others people went back to the shelter and played with them at least mm-hmm. or it's being able to do something to make a difference and I, and I do think like as we get back to you know whether it's 18 years of business 20 years yeah. <laughs> you know whatever you know having feed and, and a cause behind it, it it makes it more fulfilling and mm-hmm. I and I mean I know other companies all you know people have causes but you know sometimes you don't know what it is mm-hmm. and so it's it's a double whammy positive to be able to kind of promote and help an organization totally you know, so. And I think, yeah, as business owners and leaders, Mm -hmm. aren't we lucky that we're able to infuse that in the core of what we do and the reason why. And I know for my team, it's like the reason they're excited to go to work every day beyond just doing a great job and doing what they do well. It's just that added layer of purpose. So Yeah, and that's so important. I mean, I think like, you know, sometimes you forget and it's very mm-hmm. easy to get distracted and totally. think of everything as a problem and a pain. Yeah. <laughs> very easy. You know, like I'm thinking about like, you know, even like movies you've shown of trips to Africa. It's like you think, okay, it, what's the end result here? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, something is, is benefiting or, you know, these children are, are mm-hmm. actually getting nourished or, you know, for me, it's people walking out feeling happy and like a kid again, um, mm-hmm. you know, just you know, feeling like there's something more. Um, You have to remember like your mission, I think. And that's the only way to like kind of get focused again. And totally, totally. Well, thank you, Dylan. This is fun. Thank you, Laura. (laughs) Yay, this is a fun update. I know. For conversations you can't ignore, come back every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. Subscribe now and never stop learning. 